Okay, welcome to episode 6 of the podcast. Now, I know I veered off topic in the last few episodes, but back to trading again. And this time, I want to talk about something important. Now, I haven't been doing this for a while and eventually moving on to teaching people how to trade. I've noticed some recurring patterns along the way with regards to what it takes to make it as a full-time sports trader. And it goes beyond just someone's individual temperament, discipline, and overall personality. But it often extends to things which aren't necessarily in an individual's control, or at least not fully in control of, such as whether or not they work a job, their age, whether or not they're married, having kids, financial commitments, etc. Now, initially, I was going to make this video about who shouldn't trade or why you shouldn't trade, but I've changed my mind because while the deck may be stacked against you, like I said, with regards to your situational circumstance, it's possible for anyone to do it if you're willing to put in the necessary work. It's just harder for some. So I think it's it would be more appropriate to tell this video when you should quit as a trader, when is enough enough and when you should move on. So this is a sort of like a like a part two to my trading journey, so to speak. So when I started trading, and for those who listened to the first part in episode three, will know my story already. But when I started trading, I didn't know it at the time. But the circumstances were all in my favor for me to do this uh, successfully. You know, I was around 23, 24 years old. I was living with family. There was no living expenses like food, energy bills, a mortgage, and stuff like that. So I could afford to make mistakes and screw up and And believe me, I did plenty of that. Now, I'm not sure if I mentioned it in episode three, but it took me probably a good three to four months before I turned profitable. Now, bearing in mind, I was trading every single day without fail. And in that three or four months, I I couldn't have missed more than a couple days. Honestly, I was going at it every day. I didn't have enough money to pay for a course or anything. So I was just on YouTube watching anything and, and everything. So... Whenever I saw a video with a price ladder, I'd just click it and watch it. So there was really no sense of direction. You know, I was trying to trade football, tennis, racing, all at the same time. And it took me maybe a couple months before I settled on racing. You know, I said to myself, look, you're spreading yourself too thin. Just focus on turning profitable in one before branching out. So it was so long ago now, but I remember a few things stood out. And believe it or not, I actually remember my first profitable race because it was in play. And I made, I think, around 27 pounds. I was using 100 pound stakes. I watched a few races and I thought, you know what? These horses that trade short in play, they've pretty much won. So this is a no-brainer. So, you know, just just back, just back short-priced runners down the final furlong or so. So I remember backing a horse at 1.27 and rode it out. So I won 27 pounds. And I fell on top of the world. (laughs) You know, I thought I was a professional at this point. So I started making all sorts of wild projections with regards to how much I could make, you know, 200, 300 pounds a day, 100,000 a year, and you get the picture. I'm thinking, you know what, this is so easy. I had like a 500-pound bankroll and using 100-pound stakes, you know, and I thought I'd found a, a strategy almost immediately. So I ignored all the videos I watched on scalping, swing trading, risk management, bankroll management, and whatever, and just started backing short-priced runners. 
Now, I don't need to tell you how this played out. In fact, I wouldn't even be making this video had it all worked out because, of course, it didn't. And I blew my bankroll. So I started watching videos on in-play trading. And when you're a complete novice to horse racing, it's just too overwhelming to try and figure out the jockeys, the trainers, the going of the track and whatnot. It was just too overwhelming, uh, all the information. So I thought the easiest route possible and you know i wanted the easiest route possible you know to make money um so i figured you know what i'll just stick with pre-race because with pre-race you don't need any knowledge on horses you just need to learn how to read the markets so i wouldn't say it's easier it's just a different art and it's something that was more suited to me at the time but because i had already burned through my first bankroll i was kind of worse off than i started because I was used to making 10, 20, 30 pounds profit on good trades. You know, how do I scale back and sell for making two pounds a race? So it was a real mental battle trying to be patient and scale back, taking smaller profits. So I did whatever, what every amateur does. You know, I'd make one good trade. One would turn into two, then into three, four, five good trades, and boom, I'd wipe myself out with a big loss. And I'd rinse and repeat this cycle over. And over till I managed to finally rewire my brain. It took an extraordinary amount of effort to become patient and disciplined. So all in, like I said, it took around three, four months to make money. However, I was treating every day, every single day like it was the same. I was trading seven days a week, trading every race, Irish, UK, uh, novice hurdles, nurseries, handicaps, all in the same way. But... Because I had the skill to swing trade and scalp, I was making money, but my results were so wild and sporadic. I was making, you know, I would make £1,000 profit just to give back £500. So just so much wasted energy, and believe it or not, and I'm a little bit embarrassed to say this, but this went on for three years. Last week, I uploaded a screenshot on Twitter with my first three years profit. Profit and loss broken down by month. So you can check that out uh, if you wish. And the thing is, when you're doing something for three years, you ingrain a lot of habits, a lot of bad habits. And that's why I, you know, my trading plateaued for such a long time. So the question is, did I improve over those three years as a trader? Well, yes, but that was largely due to experience and confidence rather than time spent refining my skill. So if you look at my first three years, if you if you look at that screenshot, to the naked eye, it doesn't look like I made any improvements since my year-end profits remained quite static. But if you look carefully, you'll notice that I was having bigger and bigger months each year. And that's kind of what kept me going. That's what stopped me from, from quitting. You know, that was the proof that, you know what, even though I'm not where I thought I should be by now, at least I can look back on my results and say, okay, there are some positives to take away. I am profitable over a sustained period of time, over three years. I am showing signs of progress in areas. I am having bigger months. I just need to figure out how to eliminate or at least reduce these losing months. So I really didn't give myself you know, the credit I probably deserved because most people either lose money or they just quit if they plateaued as quickly as I did. But because I made progress and genuinely believe that I could take it to the next level. That's where I said to myself, okay, if I'm going to take this seriously, if I really want to 
if I really want this thing to take off, then I'm going to have to take serious action and, and put in effort to streamlining my workload. And that's when I began to start writing down my staking plan, my liability, learning the difference between handicaps and novice races, jumps and flat races, you know, the difference between how a three-mile race trades and how a five-furlong race trades, who are the important jockeys, trainers and owners, which tracks are being televised, which tracks have the most prize money on offer, which days are more profitable than others, taking days off, saving my energy for the big festivals and big meetings, making a calendar, having well-defined entry and exit points, shifting my focus from making profit to making good trades and making notes whenever I made bad trades, explaining why I took those positions so I wouldn't do them again. And that's when things took off. You can't help but succeed if you do the right things. So it takes hard work in the beginning, but if you want to take things to the next level, it takes smart work. And that's exactly what I wasn't doing. I was working like a, you know, like a caveman for the first three years. And it wasn't until, you know, I think my fourth year where I pretty much almost tripled my profits. That, that's where the real breakthrough came, when I started working smart. But look, after having done all that, after taking all those steps to really fine-tune my trading, if I still hadn't made any progress, or God forbid gone backwards, that would have been sufficient enough reason to move on. If you give something enough time, if you give something X amount of time, and you can't really decide how long that is beforehand because everyone's learning curve is different, but if you dedicate a serious amount of time to doing something and there's absolutely zero progress, then that's a good enough reason to move on. And I'm going to split hairs here because there's a difference between quitting and moving on. Quitting is when you just throw in the towel and stop when the going gets tough. Everything is tough when starting out. Even even when you are successful, you're still going to have tough times. Though you'll be better equipped, you'll be more experienced and you'll have more wisdom in order to handle many situations. That's just a harsh reality of life. And... You know, it's part of being part of being an adult means accepting things that are going to happen outside your control. But you can't run away from situations. You got to face them head on. You know, that's how you learn and that's how you grow. If I quit after my first big loss or blowing my first account and second account for that matter, I would never have learned how to be patient or resilient, and I'd never have built a strong backbone. Because now I can handle those situations far better, and I know not I know what not to do. A lot of people quit before even trying something out fully and giving it enough time. I've seen it firsthand with students I teach, for example. A lot of people are lulled into thinking this is an easy way of making money. And they don't put in the hours. They don't dedicate the time to practicing the techniques. They clock out on my live streams. And, you know, a lot of people, they, you know, they just don't have the minerals to write out the tough periods. Now, a lot of them, to be fair, aren't necessarily in the right space to be trading. And this goes back to what I said earlier about having the cards stacked in your favor. Me, personally, I could afford the time needed to learn. It took me a few months to get profitable, but it took me three years for things to really take off. And had I not had the support of, you know, the family around me, and had I not had youth on my side, I wouldn't have been able to take those same risks now especially given the time frame. You know, a lot of people who want to trade, they have mortgages, they have families, and they simply can't afford to leave a job and take the necessary time needed to learn 
and losing money, which is inevitable in the beginning. You know, very few people hit the ground running and make a lot of money quickly trading. I don't know anyone that's done that, but you always hear about the odd success success story of someone who's left their job and, you know, turned over a fortune through trading. But you never hear about the the hundred failures per every success story. <laughs> you don't hear about those guys. You only hear about the people who've made it. And social media hasn't helped in this regard with all these trading gurus, with their phony lifestyles, marketing this line of work as a sort of get-rich-quick scheme. And I've already done a video on this, by the way. This is a dangerous line of work. And if you don't have grit and don't have the time and the support of those around you, it's going to make your chances of, of succeeding a lot slimmer. As I said, tough times will always come in one way or another. All you can do is equip yourself better for when they do come. Last year, I had the worst financial disaster I've ever had as a trader. And it wasn't on sports, it was on crypto. So I've been buying crypto for many years now. And I've made some really generous returns. Not to mention that I was flying high on confidence with my sports trading. So what did I go and do? Well, I dabbled in the futures market, which is just an exotic word for leveraged trading. So I was trading on the margin up to 20 to 1. And it just so happened that I started doing this at the peak of the crypto market before Elon Musk infamously tweeted that Tesla will no longer be accepting Bitcoin, which sent the market into meltdown. And I was long on the futures market because I was convinced you know, with the momentum of the whole market that we're going to hit $100,000 in Bitcoin and I'll exit my position with my half a million in profit (laughs) and sail off into the sunset. But it turns out, (laughs) God had other plans for me. I wiped out my account and it took a huge toll on me, mentally and physically. I mean, my confidence was, was shot to pieces and it really affected my sports trading. So I had a very flat summer. I just couldn't focus. It didn't just take a toll on my well-being, but it affected my personal relationships too. I just wasn't myself. Um, now, looking back on it now, of course, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, And the truth is I had absolutely no business trading the crypto markets. I've seen over the course of the last four or five years when I started investing how volatile it can be. And I haven't studied the short-term price movements in order to trade it. But I was drunk off the confidence of trading sports and thought I could just instantly translate that success to crypto. And I got burnt badly. You know, I lost a deep five-figure amount. And whenever you get cocky or arrogant, you know, nothing is going to humble you quicker than the markets. The market's a ruthless place. And I know never to make that mistake again. You know, unless I dedicate a serious amount of time to understanding short-term price movements, as I've done so with sports, my money is reserved only for long-term investing in the crypto market, not for trading. So I didn't let that episode spook me from crypto altogether. I didn't quit, so to speak. I just figured out, you know, what works and what doesn't. You know, I moved on from, you know, dabbling in in leveraged trading. It's not that I'm not capable of becoming a futures trader, but, you know, look, the amount of time I've spent learning trading sports, you know, this is what I'm good at. And, you know, to dedicate myself to learning an entirely new financial instrument you know, I'll just be spreading myself too thin. You, you can't trade everything. You can't be a jack of all trades. So I'm never going to put my money in risky financial instruments ever again unless I know exactly what I'm doing. 
you know, I tried to wing it and I got stung badly. Uh, you know, I've I've made some very good returns over the long run, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stick with with that. Trading is it's never a a linear journey. It, there's always bumps along the road, some bigger than others. Very rarely does anyone ever hit the ground running and have it all smooth sailing as a trader. You know, very rarely does that happen. In fact, I don't think I know anyone who hasn't been faced with you know adversity. They've had to. Uh, yeah, overcome in this line of work but you know at least I can look back on those calamities and say you know what I made it through it it was hard but it was my fault I'm, I'm holding myself accountable I'll take the L but most importantly I learned some I learned some great lessons it's only added to my bank of fortitude and you know what if I had a choice of having to experience what I've already done so later in life I'd much rather get it out the way now all the fuck ups the failures the mess ups I like to think I've got it out of my system because honestly I can't really see myself ever making a stupid error like that again I like to think I've truly learned my lesson you know the thing is you don't you don't actively go out and seek carnage you don't go out there and seek you know disaster if someone had told me beforehand that these are the kind of things i'm gonna have to go through i would have run a mile you know i'd never have traded but that's the thing about life if you're not consciously aware of your thoughts and actions and you sleep through you sleepwalk through life to an extent which is what i was doing things are going to happen that are going to shake you up and you won't even see them coming and when they do happen you're like oh shit why me but it takes a lot of maturity to understand and trust that whatever does happen to you is happening at the perfect time and in the perfect way, even if you don't realize it in that moment. But it's a chance for you to learn an important lesson and grow. That's how you find out things about yourself and about your character. Me personally, I was lazy. I was arrogant. And had those things not happened, I wouldn't have known. You know, that whole episode brought those things to the surface and brought them to light and it's humbled me. I could have chickened out and quit and made excuses how things didn't go my way. Or I can hold myself accountable and say, look, this is a hard, painful lesson. But if I understand why it happened and why it's my fault, then I won't make that mistake again. This year has been really good so far. And I don't want to jinx it. I really don't. So I don't want to say too much, but I'm on the brink of having a breakthrough month at the time of recording this. So I'm running really hot right now. So I don't want to say too much, but you'll see at the end of the month, hopefully. You know, before I started trading, there was a really good documentary called Traders by the Millions. And it followed a handful of day traders, all from different walks of life. Some who weren't successful, you know, just the average Joe who's left his job. Some guys, uh, you know, working in the city. Some guys were ex-brokers. Some guys are, uh, you know, working for... Uh, for hedge funds. So it just followed around, you know, four, five different people from different walks. And there were, I remember there was one guy who really stood out. His name is Charlie Burton. He's a full-time self-employed Forex trader. And he's a millionaire. He's very successful, totally legit. You can Google him. Um, but I remember him and he lives and works like an absolute monk, total laser-like discipline. And I remember thinking, yeah, I want to be like this guy. And now, you know, the saying, be careful what you wish for. 
So this guy explained in the documentary that when he started out, he he turned 50,000, I think it was, into over 200K and lost the entire lot. And he said, how many people can come back from that? Lo and behold, I went and done something similar. <laughs> I made a lot of money, then gambled a chunk of it away on the futures market. So it's only going to be worthwhile if I end up being as successful as him. But, uh, you know, I thought that was funny that the guy that I thought I looked up to before I started trading, I ended up doing something, you know, almost as stupid. <laughs> and so many times I've asked myself, you know what, would I have been better off doing something else if I could start over? Would I have chosen another line of work? And from a monetary perspective, yes, there's a strong chance that I would, if I'd have played it safe and got a steady Eddie 95 desk job, yeah, I probably would have more money. But anyone that knows me knows I'm stubborn. And if there was anything I wouldn't do, it would be to listen to others. And like I said in the other episode, though I didn't know what I wanted to do while I was at uni, I sure as hell knew that I didn't want to work for someone else. You know, And I know that if I ever did work for someone else, it would always be that question, what if? And I never wanted to throw away my 20s living with that regret. So I have absolutely no regrets deciding to try my hand trading full-time. And whilst it was a lot harder than I ever thought it would be, it was all down to myself. I was working hard. I really was, but I wasn't working smart. Yes, the market's changed. Yes, edges run out. But my approach could have been a whole lot better. And when I did improve my approach, I got cocky and another disaster came and humbled me. So it's always important to remember that you know, no matter how confident you are, no matter how much you think you know, there's always something to learn. So even when I mastered sports trading and I was doing so well, I still had uh, lessons to learn and I learned that on crypto. So I've just learned so much about myself over these five to six years and I learned things that I never would have found out about myself had I had a steady job where you have security. With trading, I've learned discipline. I've learned the importance of structure. I've learned how to be fully accountable for my own mistakes. When you work for someone, you don't bear all the risk. You have a bad day at the office, you still get paid. If you have a bad day trading, not only do you not make money, but you lose money. So you have to be focused. You have to be disciplined. I have to be driven. I have to be alert and I have to make it work. There were times I felt like quitting, but then I thought to myself, you know, nobody's going to employ me now. There's no going back. You know, it's, it's do or die. I'm in my mid to late 20s now. It's, it's too late, uh, you know, to get a to get a job and work your way up. So I didn't even entertain the thought of doing anything else for a living. So I kind of put that pressure on myself. Caution, I'd say, is a much better word. But I became super cautious and alert and on edge with my trading, always mindful, always present, so I don't slip back into my old ways. So it was a, it was a good kind of pressure. Because, you know, this isn't a hobby. This is my livelihood. This isn't golf or playing a video game where you can still enjoy it even if you suck. But there's no enjoyment in losing money for a living, let me tell you. <laughs> so if you're the type of person who gives up when the going gets tough, when things don't go your way, or you don't fully commit to something and don't give it sufficient enough time to see whether or not you're going to reap the benefits, then yeah, in all likelihood, you're going to quit or you're going to move on. And you're probably not suited 
to working for yourself. You're better off working for someone else where there is that structure in place, where there isn't that risk you have to take, where you're going to make a somewhat guaranteed income. But if you do try your honest best and give it your all and still don't show signs of promise, it's okay to move on. In fact, that's the smart thing to do. Time is finite and you're never getting it back. So it's always best to be mindful in life as to where your strengths lie. Everyone's good at something and it's important to establish quickly as possible where your talents lie and just go for it flat out. You only get one shot. So we'll wrap this up here. I hope this has been insightful and I hope it's made you more mindful of the choices you make and how hard it can be if you want to go down the path of working for yourself. So thanks for listening and I'll see you guys soon.